Welcome to the Let's Talk podcast from the University of Edinburgh, where we talk about life and all that it may throw at you at university, focusing on our mental health. I'm Harriet Harris, the university chaplain, and today I'm joined by Isabel Cordray, a third year biology undergraduate. We're talking about grief and loss, including feelings of shock and guilt, navigating university processes, and things that we come to appreciate about our lives and about one another when someone close to us has died. So Izzy, it's lovely to see you today. Lovely to be here. And it's good to be having this um, conversation around grief and loss. I know that on and off we've sort of touched on it over the time and you've been talking with other students who... Um, have wanted to talk about this theme. Um, so it's good that we can do a podcast conversation, isn't it? On this yeah, it's theme. really good. Yeah. 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 Um, I like to bring gifts to our podcasters. <laughs> so I have brought a gift for today. And it's a little book by Anthony Penrose called The Boy Who Bit Picasso. <laughs> and it's actually, I love this book. Um, and it's not directly on grief and loss, but because he does talk about it, he did literally buy Picasso. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he, therefore, he talks about Picasso and he talks about his mum, who was a fantastic photographer. Mm. And so within it, there is um, implicit grief and loss. Yeah. Um, but but lovely memories of the people who had died. So oh, lovely. that's for you to take oh, away and enjoy. Thank you so much. Uh, sometime. Yeah, lovely little bit with photos. We can take a little picture of it later. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So Izzy, um, would you like to say h- how you came to really want to talk about this topic and what your experience of grief and loss has been? Yeah, um, so first year of university in my first semester, my really close friend, uh, Jessie, died really suddenly. Um, and it was it was really hard. Uh, I th- It was just at a lecture I got a a phone call from her mum and I couldn't pick up uh, so I rang her back and we just yeah it just it was a really shocking phone call I Mm. I wasn't expecting it Um, I had just been texting Jessie the night before quite late Um, and yeah it was it was definitely the worst thing that has probably ever happened to me the saddest Mm. thing that's ever happened to me Um, and it was just honestly words can't describe it properly but it was it was definitely a a standout moment for me in my life I think in terms of things I've experienced afterwards I just feel as though everything has just been slightly changed by it but not necessarily for the worse um honestly some things probably for the better having that experience has made me a very different person and I wouldn't change that for the world. Okay. Oh, well, let's let's get on to talking about that a bit later on. But let's hear a little bit more. I mean, death is always such a shock. Mm-hmm. I think even even it, when it's expected, it's a huge shock. Yeah, um, for sure. Because it's so... We don't know anything else that is as final mm-hmm. as death. Um, there's nothing else that we, that we can't undo in the way we can't yeah. undo. <laughs> but it sounds as though it was... Was it wholly out of the blue? With Je- Do you want to tell us a little bit more about Jessie? And, and, yeah, know? yeah. So I took a year out before uni. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and on my gap year, we spent so much time together. Uh, once a week at least, uh, we'd go out for coffee, go out and get some cake. Um, I was already really close friends with her before that, since pretty much primary school. Um, so we had a really long history of friendship. Um, and we just grew so close in that year out. And it was amazing, honestly. We had a really good friendship. Obviously, with everything, you have ups and downs, but she was probably the closest friend I had for a long, long time. Mm. Um, And it was completely out of the blue. As I said, we were just texting um, the night before. She said she felt maybe a little bit sick, a little bit ill. People were coming and, like, bringing her some some ibuprofen, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I like no one would have expected that. You just think, oh, fresh as flu. She's mm-hmm. feeling a little bit under the weather, mm. um, especially because she just finished Freshers' Week in Durham. And then yeah, I got the phone call the next the next day uh, in the afternoon, and she just uh, she just passed away from some kind of some kind of heart condition. I'm I'm still not certain exactly exactly what it is, but. Um, 
<clears throat> she she just suddenly had some kind of thing where she she was throwing up, she was not doing so well and she just completely out of the blue, really shocking, just mm. passed away mm. one morning. Um I, I actually know that she was she was on the phone to her dad and it was it was, must have been really just really heartbreaking for everyone really. Uh, was, she, was she on the phone to him while when she died? Um or, at least just before. Just, just I'm not before. sure exactly mm. the details of that. Mm. Um mm. but she was on the phone to her dad and it, it was must have been really, really sad mm. for for everyone involved. Mm. Um yeah. And obviously with the, her parents being not with her mm-hmm. uh, because she was at university must have been really really upsetting for everyone because yeah I think I was missing her a lot because I just had my first month at university and so being away from her for when we'd been spending all the time together for a whole year was uh quite difficult actually um Gosh, yeah yeah and we understand ourselves very much in relation to our friends don't we and mm. I think starting university is quite hard that way anyway because you're in with a whole bunch of other people and you're trying to find yourself in relation to all the new people and yeah. in some ways we we keep in touch with our ourselves by keeping in touch with our friends from before um, and so you yourself had just started university and Jessie had obviously just started you're both new both just come out of Freshers Week and starting the courses yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in the middle of that you got a phone call in the middle of a lecture yeah and I think uh I think it it kind of brought on a lot of guilt honestly there was right. there's a lot of guilt surrounding how right. I feel about uh Jessie and her death and that's still a feeling that I have a lot now especially because we were texting and she was feeling a little bit sick um and logically rationally I know that anyone would have been like oh, she's just got a bit of a cold. But part of me in my head is telling me, oh, you knew she was sick. Like, you should have potentially known. Perhaps you should have, I don't know, had a premonition from that event. And it doesn't sound rational, but in my head, it's definitely, you should feel guilty because you knew she was sick and you didn't do anything. Right, okay. Um, Yeah, and a lot of, just a lot of guilt surrounding how much I think about her, how much I don't think about her. Um, it's it's a lot to kind of handle, really, um, especially because no one knows how to deal with grief. Mm. Like, no one knows the right way. There is no mm. right way. No. Um, but your head tells you there is. At least my head does. Uh, my head tells me there, there's definitely some kind of right way and I'm not achieving it. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so you're so in your mind you're thinking there must there must be a right way of doing this. Yeah. And I'm not finding it. Yeah, I right. think because it's so difficult and so hard, I'm kind of like, oh, it's it's so it's so sad, it's so difficult. Mm. There must be an easier way. Mm. Or there should be an easier way. I think probably everyone feels as though they're not doing grief right there's so many different ways that perhaps you see someone else handling grief a different way and you think oh I don't do it that way maybe I like don't write letters to my dead friend and write down all my feelings and maybe publish them in a in a magazine or something like that some people do some people don't but it's quite difficult to not compare yourself or at least I find it quite difficult to not compare myself to others okay yeah and, and and is the guilt connected to that as well? I mean, have have you felt perhaps I ought to have been written? Yeah, <laughs> right. Definitely, okay. I feel okay. as though there's two different sides to it, and in it's a very catch twenty two situation, right. which I I can't win. Uh, so it's kind of like I feel really guilty if I don't think about her enough. I don't. I'm not honouring her. I'm not thinking about her. I'm not respecting her. I'm not remembering her for the brilliant, amazing person that she was. But then there's also, if I think too much about her, I'm not living my life the mm. way she would want me to. Mm. I'm not experiencing all these things that she couldn't experience. And I'm not having all these amazing times with my friends that she couldn't, she couldn't have anymore. So it's a kind of double-edged sword and I definitely can't win. And I've come to kind of appreciate that I should really not be beating myself up mm. for it um, have a lot more self-compassion for myself than I have been having um, because it is it is kind of pointless to be like oh, feeling guilty for things that you can't you can't really change um, I think it's natural but um, recognising 
recognizing that you need to maybe just take a step back and think you're not doing it wrong you're you're doing it fine you just it's fine the way it is it's important it's, it's one of those things that's it can't but be uncomfortable yeah can it? and we it, it's very hard to sit with our uncomfortable thoughts and feelings um it's it, it's a labor we have to do is to and, and, and if we don't sit with them then we find ways to escape them but then they come and bite us <laughs> yeah <laughs> later on so it's yeah. it, it's that recognizing that this is going to be painful Mm. Um, and honouring that, as you say, honouring that and having compassion on yourself for that. Uh, it's interesting. What, what do you think Jessie would want to say to you about all of that? I've spoken with my therapist many times oh, okay. about how Jessie mm. would feel. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those things where actually, like, oh, with the greatest love, she would want to be remembered, and I know that. Mm. Um, she would want people to think of her, like, in a not necessarily narcissistic way but in a way that I feel like everyone would mm. you know like you don't want to leave this world and leave no mark it's one of those great things that many people write about you don't want you want to leave your mark on this world you mm. want to do something great yeah. um and honestly she did she left her mark on me like she was a really really wonderful friend mm. um so she succeeded yes. but um I don't want to say that she wouldn't want to be wrong she wouldn't want me to think about her because she would but I think honestly it's one of those things where just because she'd want me to think of her doesn't mean she'd want me to be incapacitated by those thoughts no. or those thoughts to be sad either <laughs> she would want those thoughts to be really happy and to remember her at her best which was most of the time she was she was a very big character um and very strong-willed um so yes she'd want me to think of her of course but she wouldn't want me to 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 impact my life with these thoughts and to prevent myself from doing things at all. Um, so yeah, I do I do think that she would she would have a lot more compassion for me than I mostly have for myself. Yeah, that's so often true, though, isn't it? I mean, we we can be the last people to have compassion on ourselves, and we give ourselves a hard time in a way mm. that we we wouldn't dish that out to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. We can, we can be quite hard on ourselves and and Jessie is sort of free from the the, the fever of this life now isn't she and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you, you know will um if that is such a thing be willing you to be living living your life yeah um, yeah actually this podcast is a great honor to Jessie Absolutely. all the wonderful things <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't definitely. it I mean what a tribute really absolutely yeah. and it I, I find it heartbreaking when um I hear testimony from young people from before they've died saying, you know, I, I really hope that I won't be forgotten. And you mm. think, how would you ever be forgotten? Mm. You, you, you will never be forgotten. You know, it's an astonishing. But of course, it's, it's, it is a, of course, it's a fear that we have that we'll be forgotten, that our lives counted for nothing. Um, and yet, you know, as you say, the impact she's had on you and that will have, there will have been a similar impact on others as well. Yeah, and that's absolutely. that's living on. We do we do live we 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 embody all the wonderful qualities people give us, don't we? And we we live them on and pass them on to others. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, that's that's one key way in which people make an impact on the world, make the world a bit of a better place. Mm, yeah. 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 I think it's a, it's also a really hopeful thing because sometimes we need um, we need a sense of confidence to keep going, don't we? Mm -hmm. And and that sense that actually we we can do a little bit we can do our little bit to make the world a better place is a, is a good reason to keep going yeah definitely yeah absolutely I feel like there's definitely aspects of Jessie that I really like came to appreciate more so like I appreciated them while she was alive but more so after she's dead um because they're just things that I missed in my life um I was like there was these aspects of her amazing self-confidence amazing uh just I feel like she had so much love for herself I don't necessarily she felt that feel like she felt that way mm -hmm. but I feel as though she had such will and resilience and amazing power within herself um and those are things that I definitely feel as though I would want more of so mm. I it's one of those things I recognized a lot after I wish that I had the confidence that she had um so I try to work on myself a little or try and recognise when I when I am more self-confident because yeah. I recognise that that's probably something that I've recognised from Jessie. 
yeah. honestly. Yeah, uh, I've probably taken that from her and learned that from her. So, yeah, I do try to recognise those things. Yeah. Well, that's a great testimony to her and also mm. also to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I'm not saying those, <clears throat> uh, those occasions are frequent, but they're getting more frequent, so mm. that's good. So time is, time is doing something, yeah. would you say? Yeah, I'd say time is difficult. Time's definitely changed how I feel grief. I'd say initially it was that kind of devastating feeling that it really, it was such a shock as well, more so because I just, I had no idea that anything like that could happen to someone my age. Um, and it was, it was really sad. I was very, probably, I'm a quite a, I express my emotions quite outwardly, so I was, I'm quite a big crier. And so it was like weeping, that kind of thing. You know, the classic, what you expect from someone who's just lost someone. Mm. Um, and now maybe not as much, like, well, definitely not as much as that. But um, it definitely still hits me mm. right where it hurts, right yes. when I'm not expecting it. Right. Um, and definitely those feelings of guilt still come up a lot um, without me expecting it as well. Okay. Um, I'd say I'm definitely in a much better place with it in terms of recognising that guilt and having a bit more self-compassion. But... Um, no one's perfect, is it? There's no, as I say, there's no perfect way to handle grief. Um, you have to go through it, don't you? It's, yeah. I feel it looks like that bear hunt book that you can't go around it or whatever. You, you <laughs> yeah. just have to go through it. You, you have to have go to through it. You can't, it. you can't bypass yeah. it. If you try to bypass it, it, it catches you in other ways. It does. Which are, which are worse, actually, that, that you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's that being with our difficult feelings and thoughts and... It's yeah. good if others can sit with you on your morning bench. It is it? They, good. Don't, they don't have to say anything, do they? Just if no, they just not you know, at all. sometimes it's better if they don't say much. Do you find? Absolutely, that is like a hundred percent. Yes. Um, I find the, <clears throat> the least helpful thing is when people just offer me advice or offer me things. Not if I asked for it, obviously that is m- very welcomed. Um, but when people, without my permission, without me asking, just give me oh, you should do mindfulness, you should do meditation. Like, they do help, but not when I'm being patronised by you. Um, (laughs) uh, I can't do them when I'm being told to do that. I'm very stubborn in that sense, I guess. But, um, yeah, that's not helpful. Uh, Being Things that are helpful for me are very much, like, just, as you say, sitting with me. Uh, Sitting with me, keeping me company, reminding me that I'm not alone. Uh, Reminding me that just because I've lost someone doesn't mean I have no one. Um, and I'm very much a partner of physical affection. I love a hug, mm. so that helps mm. as well, always. Mm. Yeah, and we know it does all sorts of good things for the chemicals in our mm. brains, don't we, to yeah. have a hug? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like that saying, that you know, advice, the worst vice is advice. Mm. Yeah. Yes. The last thing we want is advice when we haven't asked for it. Absolutely. <laughs> with the guilt, we, we, it sounds as though when you were talking, texting with Jessie, that you were very aware that other people were looking after her. Yeah. 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 Does that help with the guilt at all, the thought that there were people on site who were... Yeah, it does. It does ease it a little. I think having talked through this probably, like, I know that there was... that I didn't do anything wrong. Like, no. I mean, I know that no one would ever say that I did anything wrong. And yeah, it does help knowing that other people were there, that she wasn't alone. Mm. Um, even in a kind of weird way, it helps that, to know that she was talking to her dad at some point yeah, yeah. as well, that she wasn't alone, she didn't feel alone, she didn't feel isolated. Um, yeah, it, it does help. And, and knowing as well, because I know she was really scared of being able to make friends. She was really worried, she was so anxious that she couldn't make friends in a new environment. Um, knowing that she made friends and they were there for her mm. when she was ill is really helpful, actually. Absolutely. Um, really, yeah. really helpful. Yeah, yeah. And and if you had taken on the mantle of, I'm Jessie's best friend, I must do it all, that it perhaps wouldn't have made space for others as well. I mean, that's another yeah. way. Sometimes our absence is a, a creative absence that allows other things to come in. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with that. Yeah. I have to say, I took some comfort when you said she, she'd talked to her dad because I thought, good, you know, one of the last people, one of the last voices that she was connected with, both for, for her and for, mm. and for her dad. Yeah. They were connected to each other at the end. Yeah. That, there's some comfort in that, I think. That, I think so. You know, the yeah. people who kind of brought her into the world were there as she was 
leaving it that's that's actually very profound isn't it yeah very much yeah yeah Yeah. it was I think it was such a shock for everyone but I I hope that they can take some comfort in that and potentially in some way it's it must have been really difficult and I can't really I can't really understand that um there's no way I can um but yeah I feel as though it's it's really a testament to how close their family is Mm. really that they were there and they were able to contact me on the day as well um I feel like I have so much so much respect and so much I thank them so much for being able to tell me on the day um when everything must have been going on um because it really it really made me feel valued in terms of my friendship to her mm-hmm. um and how much that it's quite difficult to value yourself i think uh, mm. or to remember that um i must have had an impact on her too yes yeah absolutely <laughs> and on her parents so yeah. they wanted that connection with you you know sometimes parents say I've lost my child, but I've gained a sort of extended family of foster children. <laughs> you know, that the, the, it, it's really valuable for the parents to feel the connection with the friends of, of their their child. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I feel like it was... I feel like I probably wouldn't... If I had to have thought about it and had time... Like, if I knew that this was going to happen, I never would have expected that. Mm. You know, I would never have expected that from them because I'm sure it was a really hectic time. They were flying out, probably, or organising things from mm. from where they were. Um, and to think of me is really, honestly, lovely. That's really moving, mm. yeah. And and then, so you had this phone call in the middle of a lecture. Yeah, um, I didn't... Yeah. So I didn't take it in the middle of a lecture, but... Uh-huh. Um, I noticed it was from Jessie's mum mm. um, and I was a bit confused. Mm. It was one of those things where in my mind it's either going to be a really good thing or a really bad thing. Mm. Like you don't just call um, for, oh, I was just watering the plants. Um, <laughs> they're very beautiful. That's not usually a call. That's usually yeah. a text, if anything. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit anxious about that because I, I didn't really know what to expect. And I couldn't take it in the middle of the lecture, obviously, and I didn't feel like I could leave the lecture at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I left the lecture and rang her back straight away mm. um, and caught the news. And it was honestly really sad. And um, I don't really remember how that phone call went, to be honest. No. Um, I know that I received the news and I was really sad and I was crying. But other than that, like, I don't remember exactly the details mm. of it. Um, so... I think I feel that a lot about the immediate days after I heard the news. I know that I did things and I know some of the things that I did, but it was it's a bit of a blur because I think the shock mm. of it was a lot. Um, so, and probably it's a bit of self-preservation, my brain protecting me from mm. how how bad it was and how much grief all at once there was. Yeah. Well, our shock response is there to protect us, mm. isn't it? So yeah. that's why we don't remember or we get a bit numb or whatever we might yeah. be. It's a blur. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 And it's to protect us from total overwhelm, although it is overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then did did you then need to phone others or, or did you phone others? or? Yeah, so uh, because I had the phone numbers and, and could contact all of my friends and Jessie's friends who are close to her um, and her parents didn't, and honestly, I didn't feel as though like putting all that on them as well was appropriate. Um, it kind of probably by my own making it kind of felt to me to break the news to a lot of other people, um, a lot of my close friends. Um, and that was really, really difficult. Mm. Uh, that was probably one of the most difficult things, um, having to recount that so so soon after it happened and without much processing at all. Um, to have to recount that to other people and also to have to be the messenger of that really, really sad news. Really hard. Um, and make other people upset and make mm. other people cry. Um, it was really difficult. And I know that some of my friends were really helpful and they took some of that on with me mm. um, once they knew. Oh. Um, some, some of other sort of school friends, friends from yeah, home. Um, because they recognised that it was difficult. Um but yeah, it was one of the worst things, um, having to tell that to other people. 
and having to shock them with that news, especially because I'd just been shocked with that news. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And I think that was probably the hardest thing about it. Like, obviously, getting the news was difficult, mm. but it was difficult for me, whereas doing this was difficult for other people, and I feel like that hits me more. Um, it does, does that still hit you? Yeah, mm-hmm. it hits me a lot. Um, and honestly, like... It's difficult to say, oh, there was good things that came out of it, but there were. Mm. There were good things. It's it's brought me closer to a lot of my friends. Uh, mm. It made me talk to a lot of my friends that I might have lost contact with. Um, and in a sense, we have this shared, dramatic, really horrible experience that brings people closer. It, it can't help but bring people closer. Mm. Um, you can't avoid that. And it, it's it's good to have those friends and those friends that knew her because my friends at uni are amazing and wonderful and I wouldn't change them for the world, but they never knew her. Um, mm. They can help me as much as they can, but they can't have that shared experience of, oh, remember when Jessie did that thing? <laughs> or remember mm. how Jessie was? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, maybe I would hope that they eventually would have known her, but um, mm. they didn't. And so they can help me as much as they can and they do very well at their help. Mm. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying they don't. But um, yeah, it's it's good to have those friends that, that really do understand, yeah. Yes, yes, connecting with others who knew her, mm. keeping the, and and, fe- and feeling that those connections are stronger now. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And mm. Um, I think it's, I'm not great at keeping in contact with other people uh, from a long distance. Um, my f- communication over phone and things, it's not great. But I think even without that, all the time, I'm, we don't talk all the time that often, most of the time. But when I come back home, um, we meet up and I feel as though like nothing's really changed. Mm. We're always still there for each other, we're always still friends. Um, and I'm not, I don't really contact them when I feel down about it so much anymore. But um, they were always understanding and yeah. they were always there. And I know that's still always there. Like I know that that hasn't changed, but perhaps I feel as though I'm more equipped to handle it on my own. Okay. Now. So that feels a bit, a bit of a... So... Would it be, how long ago would it be now? Um, so it's coming up to two years. Coming up to two years. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think that the first two years after death are um, are very hard. Mm. And, and it does feel after two years as though things begin to shift a little bit, mm. you know, just, just have a different quality. Yeah. So, do, do you feel that you in some ways know Jessie better after she's died, have you seen other sides to her, learned about other sides, or, or feel that you understand bits of her personality more as times? Yeah, I feel as though I've reflected on a lot more about her. Um, I think as is natural, you think a lot about that person um, after they're gone. Um, and I definitely recognise traits in her a lot more and recognise things about her. And I think I recall things about her that I might have just kind of taken... And left her, and I've just been like, oh, that's something that she told me. But now I kind of think about things that she told me as much as I can remember, um, and think about how important things were and how amazing our experiences were. Especially, I have really good memories to hold where we went away at the end of my year out, and we went for a long weekend in Prague. And mm. that's honestly really, really amazing memories to hold on to. Uh, they're some of the best memories I have. Of of our time together um and it's yeah it's made me appreciate that holiday a lot more actually yeah than I probably would have um and that's actually really really nice how wonderful (laughs) that you had that time isn't that great yeah it's really lovely Lovely. yeah yeah Yeah. really nice and it, it 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 it's possible that she had um a congenital heart disease that wasn't known which which sadly yeah happens sometimes that people suddenly yeah. Suddenly die. There's a there's a a, a great um, charity called Cry, which mm. which um, is devoted to research into those conditions that can suddenly take somebody without them knowing they had anything yeah. wrong. Yeah. 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 It was definitely nothing that anyone knew about. Um, it was definitely either some kind of underlying thing or some kind of sudden onset of something. Um, that it can be a complicating factor in grief mm-hmm. as well when it's where you don't understand why the person has died. And then presumably there had to be investigation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so after she died, because we didn't know exactly 
that her parents didn't know exactly what had gone on. Um, it was very, as I said, it was very shocking and nothing beforehand had been known that, that this could happen. Uh, they had a kind of autopsy kind of investigation into why. Um, and that that took a while, that delayed things like the funeral after and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that a funeral was really important um, mm. At least for me, in yeah. my stages of grief, it was really important. Um, in some terms of some kind of closure, um, it's small little gathering of people who are all experienced this to different ex- extents, so in different ways, this kind of grief about this one person, um, and gathering and kind of saying like, we're all grieving, we're all saying goodbye to this person mm. together right now. Mm. I feel as though that was really, really valuable mm. step for me. Um, and yeah, it was sad. It was really sad. Yes. Um, and people made really beautiful speeches. Um, and that's another thing that, <laughs> another thing that I feel guilty about is that I didn't feel as though I could speak in front of people, um, and say things about her. Um, I was given the opportunity to, um, but I just didn't feel as though I was comfortable or I, I would have been able to get through it mm-hmm. without breaking down into tears mm. and it becoming nothing. Mm. Um, so I feel a little guilty about that. And again, it's one of those things that I can rationalise my way and say, well, I mean, I, I couldn't. But it would have been nice to have been able to say the things that I'm saying right now. So I guess this is my opportunity. Yeah, well, absolutely. There's always yeah. a, there's always a, an opportunity. That it's, it's never That door doesn't close, I yeah. think, the, the possibility to honour someone mm. who's died. But it sounds to me as though you were very much... Um, aware of your own feelings and that it was a wise decision it's it's a huge ask to speak at um yeah a, a close friend's funeral mm. and it, it sounds as though you very much knew inside yourself whether or not that was going to work yeah <laughs> and you and, and and you would have made the right decision yeah yeah, yeah. I think and, and so. nobody would have wanted you to feel pressured no definitely um, not um mm. I was given the opportunity by her parents and I I know that it just came from a place where like you have this opportunity if if you if you'd like it it's mm. there for you to mm. take if you if you want it mm. um i know there was no pressure to, to do that at all um but yeah i think definitely it was the it was the right choice mm. like i wouldn't go back and change it even no. if even if i could because i hadn't processed a lot of the feelings and I, it wouldn't have been what i actually felt it, if i had this this kind of comprehension now the way I'm speaking about it now, yes, I probably would go back and say it. But right then, I had not processed anything, and I I couldn't have said anything eloquent or, or even what I was actually truly feeling. Um, yeah. yeah. So so helpful. It seems to me that you can say now mm. that had you been back there, then you would have still made the same decision because that's yeah. affirming yourself. Actually, yeah. it's affirming what you did then that you knew. Mm. And there was so much to process, wasn't there? Yeah. And the funeral, the funeral had to had to do its work for you as much as for anyone else so yeah you know had you had you had on you the feeling that you had to hold it together enough in order to say something coherent it, it wouldn't have allowed the funeral to do what it needed to do because yeah. you would have delayed that mm-hmm. um you know you would you would have delayed the work of the funeral to in order to hold yourself together yeah definitely and um funerals do so much they they're part of us looking after the person who's died actually aren't mm. they as, as well as us gathering with with others who are mourning but there are there are final acts to really look after the person who's died and send them on their way and yeah and to honor them um and to be with others who who are grieving and yeah. then to to turn and, and look onto the next bit of life and sure they do all of that it's amazing they, what they do yeah, yeah the <laughs> yeah. funeral and then the wake uh like i went to to both and the funeral for me was really sad and very like not in a negative way but a very like emotional Mm. remembrance Mm. of Jessie Mm. uh, with her family speaking about her um and favorite music being played that kind of stuff those things that really remind you of her and then afterwards the wake was definitely more looking forwards um, I think that was important to have those both aspects. Um, you can do that in a funeral or funeral and wake, but w- however you do it, I mm. feel like for for me, my process was really like helped by having those two aspects. Yeah. Yes, because you wouldn't want to pretend it wasn't sad. Would you want you wouldn't want to jump forward to no? You know that it doesn't feel honouring 
of the death or of, of how we all feel about the death? Is it to yeah? It of... definitely feels like a kind of repression if you don't mm. if you don't allow yourself. And of course, people are allowed to handle it that way. But for me, um, I wasn't I wasn't able to do that. And, and maybe it would have made the initial initial feeling of grief feel better to repress it um, and to deny myself that ability to be sad. But I do feel as though that would have affected me in the long term in different ways um, than than my process of grief has affected mm. me. Yeah. One one of the things that that I think about grief is that we we grieve when it feels safe mm. to grieve, or, or yeah. when we're safe to grieve. And I'm I, I'm really struck. I'm kind of impressed, to be honest, that that you were in, you were able to grieve sort of straight away. Really, mm. I mean, you talked about the, the the shock means that you can't remember everything, but you mm. you were weeping, yeah, and and you were new at university, and you know, do you want to say a bit about how it's impacted you at university? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm. Um, it, so many ways, honestly. Um, so just purely academically uh definitely affected how it probably affected how well I did my exams um but I had essays due um I had to get extensions on that um and things like that and it it really affected my concentration in terms of how many lectures I went to and how well I concentrated in the lectures that I did go to um and yeah initially I had I skipped a lot of uni um which um definitely I needed to do. I, it would have been unproductive for me to be there. Did, did you go home? Um, no, I stayed. Right. <laughs> uh, I stayed up at, up in Edinburgh. Actually, um, my parents offered to come up. I just, I said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really want them up here. Not in and like because they wouldn't be helpful. Because I'm sure they would have. But I didn't want to. Like I wanted to get back to university. I wanted not to. In my in my mind, if I didn't go back to university, if I. Uh, allowed myself to just wallow and grieve in that in that way um I would have skipped my chance to do something um and I wouldn't be living my life and that's that's in my head that's how I how I comprehended it so I decided I was going to stay at university I was gonna take the time out to go to the funeral and grieve then kind of thing I mean it didn't mean it meant that I still I did grieve but um I wanted just to continue and work and continue working and all that kind of thing um so yeah purely academically it did affect me but perhaps other people it affects them differently yeah uh but it did give me an intimate understanding of the of the extension um, <laughs> extension process you're an expert in how to apply for extensions um yeah, yeah i mean in in at least in that way mm. um for that reason mm-hmm. um it was interesting um it was very. I think that I had a much smoother run of it than most people, because uh, I had really good PT. And even though he was away when I this happened, he directed me to another very helpful colleague, um, who actually like I work with a lot now in the peer support scheme that I run, and who was wonderful. Uh, both my PT and and the person I spoke to was they're both wonderful people, and they really helped. Um, and I spoke to my support team with the school and I felt comfortable enough to do that which I know not everyone would um and they were as helpful as they could be but the uh I'd say the form for extensions are not it's not always very compassionate oh, okay. <laughs> um yeah. I think especially because they ask you for proof which I understand um why uh you can't have people having extensions and everything just because they they want it because that wouldn't be fair on people who need it I guess uh but they ask you for proof, and because I'm a friend, and I'm not the family, I couldn't, it felt awkward for me to be like, oh, I need a proof, a death certificate, or things mm. like that, when the family are going through so much grief, and her family had to have this all this autopsy and this delay anyway, so I wasn't sure when I could get something like that. Mm. Um, so that was very difficult to go through, um, and luckily I had people who were like, actually, you don't need to do that this time. This is fine. Um, so they understood. So in a way, you were the proof, perhaps, because they could see yeah. your distress. So they Yeah. But I guess that. if you don't feel comfortable to go yeah. in mm. and you can't do that and you have to do it over email, mm. then perhaps they aren't as willing to be like that. I, I mm. had people with different experiences. Okay. Um, so I guess it can be really difficult 
luckily I feel like I was quite lucky to have that experience and that kind of level of compassion from others um but I know that not everyone was in that similar position okay yeah right um so yeah. if if there was a burden on you to produce a death certificate how how would you do it and how would you feel talking to the family about that those those were the sorts of questions in your yeah in your okay yeah mm. would you say that there are some things that you've experienced that definitely haven't helped with grief or that you know just don't help because it's always helpful to know you know when you um with somebody who's very much grieving you think oh I really hope I don't put my foot in it or say the wrong thing or become unhelpful you know so it's, I think it's always helpful to hear what's unhelpful yeah I think for me personally I was very aware <laughs> that other people might be uncomfortable mm. with it um I think that's one of the things that perhaps comes with just the way I am um just with potentially just with like um, extreme empathy and some forms of anxiety like that's I was very aware that this might affect other people as well okay. um, and I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable especially because I was feeling uncomfortable enough as it was um, <laughs> so I think that not maybe not for everyone but a lot of people will be aware that this is not easy they don't find it I didn't find it easy to talk about um, so in a sense like you're same mm-hmm. <laughs> same as you really I, mm-hmm. I, f- I felt the same mm-hmm. um I'd say things that were probably unhelpful was as soon as people knowing treating me with extreme like pity oh, uh that's okay. not helpful and okay. I feel like no one really wants to be pitied um of course like you can say sorry I understand why people say sorry um because they're like oh, sorry this has happened to you it's not their fault but I understand why mm. the mm-hmm. people's first reaction is feeling sorrow yeah isn't it? it's about, you know I feel sorrow so I'm, yeah. I'm not mm. objected to mm. the people saying that mm. I know some people maybe have feel differently about that but I I would say sorry if mm. it was me mm. um but then treating me as though I uh, a fragile being that can't handle anything um and it's more the lack of Lack of speaking. Some people, when you tell them that, understandably just don't know what to say and won't speak to you. And I I do understand that, but that's more difficult for me. He's probably feeling quite isolated and lonely and mm. as though someone has gone through my life already. Um, if you're not speaking to me, I'm kind of like, oh, no, this is everything gone from my life yeah. now. Um, Did you have the experience of people sort of crossing the road to avoid a, a conversation or any, anything equivalent to that? I think not very often. I didn't tell that many people honestly mm, uh mm. my closest friends knew because it it happened around my some of my closest friends um but actually like my closest friends were really quite helpful i think especially considering how long we'd known each other mm-hmm. um which wasn't that long honestly your closest friends at university yeah, yeah. at yeah. university mm-hmm. yeah so you you fell on your feet there in with a great group of friends and really really good mm-hmm. group of friends um mm-hmm. my closest friends we we'd hit it off pretty much at the start of university in mm-hmm. freshers okay and she let me stay with her uh yeah. for actually a lot longer than could be expected I probably overstayed my welcome but she never felt or at least expressed it that way um and she let me stay with her in her flat for ages um and honestly that was really helpful and yeah that was more than could be expected Mm. so again that sort of physical the 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 physical sense of friendship actually was really Mm. important Mm -hmm. yeah so that so you've talked about what doesn't help but also what does are there other things that you felt were helpful at the time I think having people wanting to be there like the ones that wanted to be there the ones that wanted to talk to me um the ones that were understanding if I was having a bad day um and perhaps just couldn't face going to university that day Mm. um not that they they respected themselves enough to go to university and do the things they Mm. had to do and they like made those boundaries which was helpful for me um but also try to help me in terms of just being there um when they could I think that was just really useful um and really helpful and I think other things that helped me like personally not I didn't get counseling initially afterwards but quite soon afterwards um I got counseling um and there was a whole process to that so I feel very privileged that my mum could help me get some private counseling when I needed it um and for more sessions 
than some other counselling services offer. I got quite a few sessions. Um, and for me, uh, that was really useful. Um, I think everyone, to some extent, sometimes feels as though they're a burden for talking to people um, and burdening them with all these feelings and all these thoughts and all these negative things, or at least, you know, sometimes it's negative. Um, but talking to a counsellor for me really helped me work through that and talk about the things that I was feeling, uh, especially the guilt. Um, so you felt you had permission to talk to a counsellor because it was a proper, it was a set-up appointment? Yeah. Was, you perhaps withheld what you would call burdening... Yeah, uh, definitely. Mm. And also talking about the aspect of guilt of not thinking about Jessie enough. Mm. It gave me a designated hour mm. to think about her and like on her in my own way by talking to this counsellor about how I was feeling about it. Um, and for me, that was really helpful. Um, so yeah, I'd say for me, counselling, I can't rate it highly enough. Um, with my friends, as another support system. Mm. That was really, really useful for me. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful to hear. Um, but I can still feel that sense in you of that tug between, I should be thinking about Jessie more, but I should be living my life. And so that's still ongoing, yeah, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd say that the immediate like devastation uh, doesn't affect me in the same way at okay. all. Um, I definitely like go about going to uni and go about the daily things I do in life all the drudgery and all that stuff and uh, don't necessarily think about her through all, all those things mm. um and so I guess in a sense that's me living my life and just mm. moving on and doing those things but um I definitely feel as though sometimes I go to a cafe and we always used to go for coffee and cake uh, every week I go to a cafe and I go oh Jessie would have really loved this like she would have really liked yeah. the cakes here or yeah. she would have really liked the atmosphere the ambience that mm. kind of stuff um, and it just kind of hits me. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish you could be here, mm. like with me right now. Um, so yeah, it does affect me. So something that sounds quite beautiful to me in both of those things, because the former of I'm doing all these things and oh, I haven't thought about Jessie, is it sounds to me like a process of letting her go, mm. which is a freedom for mm. you both. Yeah. And then you're back in the coffee shop, and it's well, I'm going to have a coffee on Jessie, mm. <laughs> or in honour of Jessie. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Um, uh, we love doing this together and I'm I'm always grateful for that. Yeah. You know, that, to get that. Um, you know, when... It's, it's a fact of life, isn't it, that we have to let people go. Mm, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but in letting them go, we kind of receive them back in a new way. Yeah. Um, you know, she's she's in a, in a... Whatever stage death is, whatever stage of, yeah. you know, whatever it yeah. is, we don't... Death's such a mystery. It's such a mystery. And it and it feels like such a mystery to us because it is so ultimate, mm. and it's hard. We can't get our heads around it completely. Right. You know, it's, it's always going to remain mysterious. I think. Um, are there things you would like to say to others who may be grieving or? Yeah, I'd say find a community. Uh, like if you're lucky enough to have really good friends to be your community who can support you through it, who you feel comfortable talking to, like that's a really good start. Um, that's a really good support system it could be your family as well Um, but there are loads of other people that experience grief um, and in different ways some similar some really vastly different to the way you've experienced it Um, and I found so much I I don't know just so much amazing amazing things from talking to other people who have gone through grief as well um and it was really good to have that kind of community of some mm. some people who have experienced it, not in a way where we just always speak about the people that we've lost, but just having people there that understand who've been through it. As I said, like my friends from home who've, who've gone mm. through the exact same process as yeah. me, but there's other people who have gone through slightly different processes, but will understand you and will maybe understand, oh, today is her birthday or their birthday and you feel a little bit weird about that or you don't know how to deal with that people understand that um and it's really good to find those other people if you can Mm. um if you feel confident enough to do it like I would say I didn't feel confident enough to seek out other people who had gone through the same thing until like a good way through my grief process How, how did you then do it how did you find other people um I think I well I started up a 
peer support scheme. I mm. helped start off at the peer support scheme. Um, at Wellcome? Yeah, Wellcome. Brilliant, Brilliant. Welcome. Welcome out at Wellcome. King's Buildings. Mm. Uh, we're a lovely peer support scheme mm. and we, we focus on mental health, wellbeing and community. Mm. Um, and through that, I found other people who have been dealing with different things in different ways. Mm. Um, and through that, I found someone else who gone through um, a process of grief, which was shockingly similar to mine um and she lives really close to me in bristol as well which was really shocking gosh so uncanny uh it was honestly uncanny Mm. um and feeling as though that that was really affirming actually that Mm. someone else had gone through it i wasn't alone because it does feel like you're the Mm. only one doing Mm. it um so yeah um that's how i found it and there's so many different ways to find it but yeah i think also find we're going to try and maybe create a way to do that and make that easier for other people. Um, And so potentially if there's other people who are interested in joining up and chatting, we'd like to create some kind of of community building exercise, some kind of place for people who've gone through grief Mm. to meet up and chat and find other people who might understand what they're going through. Um, so yeah, we'd, we'd really like to set that up. I think that would be a really good idea. Yeah. 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 So I think, I mean, you, you've mentioned in the past to set up something called Remember Ed, mm, perhaps, yeah. which is a great name. Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. Ed. Um, for a few years, I haven't done it in, in maybe two or three years now, but we, we used to run, um, these lunchtime sessions at the chaplaincy called Spiritual Conversations mm. Around Living and Dying Well, or Dying dying and Living Well, mm. I think we called it. Yeah. And it was usually people who'd been bereaved who, who yeah. came to those. And um, they were so kind of nurturing, you know, mm. they were just lovely conversations. We really enjoyed them and they've just stopped because, of, you know, we've been doing other things. But yeah. there's certainly a place, I think, and people would say, um, you know, because I, it, it's hard to find places where you can talk about these things. It is, so, it is. Yeah. And it's one of those things where... Death, as you say, it's it's one of those things that people can't get their head around and people mm. want to avoid. Mm. Um, and I'd say our culture, at least in Britain, is very much of, of, of avoiding it. Mm. Don't talk mm. about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't talk about it, it's not going. It's not happening. Mm. You can uh, forget that it exists. It was perhaps a response to the First World War, actually, because mm. the Victorians were very avert about death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think perhaps the overwhelmingness of so many people dying in the First World War and then with the Spanish flu mm. straight afterwards that everybody was grieving and perhaps it was culturally it was, yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or just so unspoken that everyone's mm. grieving, you know. Mm. Um, so everyone was understanding, perhaps. But, yeah, I think the current climate of talking about death is not helpful mm. to very many people who are who are grieving. Um, and I feel like it does lead to a lot of repression of feelings mm. and... I would like, I mean, even if we can just do this with these conversations mm. for people who, who'd want to talk about it, mm. I feel like kind of not not going along with that, actually actively avoiding not talking about death mm-hmm. uh, can be useful to some people, um, especially people who are, who are breathing and who are breathed in any way. Because uh, sometimes it's not just actual death that mm. people feel lost you know people feel mm. lost for different ways mm. and mm. I feel like having a distinction a line is not always helpful there are gray areas always with everything yeah. um and you can feel lost in so many different ways and feel a lot of the things that I've been feeling uh in so many different ways as well uh, from different circumstances so I feel like uh yeah having a place to talk about that is important so I mean before we wrap up Izzy would you mentioned at the beginning all the things you you feel you've you've learned. Um, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Things I've learned uh, since since Jesse died. Since Jesse died, yeah. Oh, how can I sum this up? There's uh, so many things, mm. um, but I'd say I've learned that my friendships are so much more important than mm. I previously regarded them as. I just I think. I took them for granted, my friendships, and I feel like I don't take them for granted as much anymore. Uh, I'm certain that sometimes I do, but I feel like I make an effort not to. Um, I've learned that people are so much more willing to help than you think, so much more willing to help. Everyone can understand some aspect of what you're going through, I think. Uh, Even if they can't live it the way you are, people will try their best. 
Um, and people care so much more than you know. It's always worth reaching out to people. Um, I'd say it's the best thing you can do if you're feeling upset for any reason. It doesn't have to be for grief. It doesn't have to be for mm. anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might just be feeling upset. And there's mm. no reason. It's important to reach out to other people because you really don't understand how amazing and helpful they are until you receive that help. Um, and I found that all my friends are amazing humans and I wouldn't change them for the world. Um, and I appreciate them so much for how much they've helped me. Yeah, That's wonderful. And actually, as, you, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, gosh, it's with grief, it's one of those things that you perhaps almost can't deny that you need a bit of help. Yeah. You know, we, we, we it, it can be hard to receive help, can't it? Because mm-hmm. we think, oh, no, I mustn't mustn't be a burden or I, I, I should be able to manage that by myself. But sometimes things happen where you think, huh, now I realise why we are community animals, why yeah. we do need one another. And, it, yeah. and it's actually, it is helpful to go through those experiences that, that sort of floor us and actually make us realise that um, we do need other people mm. and we can receive from them and that it's a it's a blessing to receive from them. And, and yeah. they do actually want to, you know, people, most people want to be helpful Oh yeah, and, and don't they? And 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 you know, we're glad to be able to help For others, sure. aren't we? It's it's hard when you want to help, but there's no way of doing, you know, yeah. no way to be able to do so. Yeah, yeah. No, I do feel that. I feel as though people always want to help a lot more than you think. And I, I know, if, I feel my that myself. Like I, I always want to help mm. if I can. If there's mm. anything I can do, I always want to. Um. So yeah, I think it's perhaps to the, important to think about how you you would be feeling if your friend was in that situation. Mm. Turn it back around, see it from a different perspective. If you're thinking you're a burden, perhaps think about how you're, you're, you would feel if your friend was feeling the same way. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe try and think about it that way because it's, it's such a difficult thing to ask for help when you need it. Yes, it's a brave thing. Mm. It is a brave thing. And I yeah. sometimes wish that thing of being a burden and people say, no, no, you're not a burden. Sometimes I wish somebody would say, well, of course you're a burden. <laughs> but I wouldn't want it any other way. You know? yeah. <laughs> so just be honest about, yeah, it's a bit of a burden, but actually I'd much rather it that way than any other way. Absolutely. Yeah. What would you say makes you smile, Izzy? So many things, but I'd say particularly nature and animals honestly mm. yeah mm-hmm. uh, a really beautiful flower in the spring uh, a dog running past me um yeah just nature animals the sky the sun i really take comfort in everything that the world kind of has to offer me in that way um and it's one of those things where i feel like i have to work to appreciate it because most of the time i just walk past it and don't notice mm. but if you take the time to have a little have a little look at how beautiful that flower actually really is, then um, you appreciate it a lot more and it really, it does brighten up your world a bit. And I, and I think grief puts us in touch with that. It puts us in yeah. touch with our mortality, doesn't it? Mm. So you think, oh, and I, now I, I notice every moment and I can notice every flower and appreciate yeah. the clouds. And mm. Yeah, so there's a, there's, a, there's a phrase in a funeral service um, that, that says, and we reflect upon our own mortality. And I used to try and avoid saying that phrase mm. because I, d- <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to make people... But now I realise it's one of the most helpful phrases yeah. um, to do that because re- to reflect upon your mortality is, is actually to to reflect on the preciousness of life. Yeah, and, absolutely, yeah. you know, that we don't have it forever, which is why it's precious. We don't have one another forever, which is why we're precious to one another and um, it puts it, it gives us appreciation. I don't think I've ever ever appreciated nature as much as as when I experienced loss and grief. It suddenly noticed the beauty of the world. Yeah. Izzy, thanks ever so much for talking about this subject and of course. you know t- telling us about your experiences. And I'm so sorry for I am I do feel sorry for the loss <laughs> of Jessie, but you've talked so beautifully about her and and about um, the two years since she died. So thank you. Of course, no thank worries. You. Thank you. If any of the issues in this broadcast have affected you and you'd like support, here are some helplines. First, if you feel that you or someone you are with is in danger right now, please call 999. There is a mental health assessment service for those in or near Edinburgh, which can be contacted on 0131 537 6000. For phone consultations, there is also breathing space, which can be contacted on 0800 8385 87 The Samaritans 08457 
909090. The Edinburgh Crisis Centre, you can telephone and you can also visit physically. Their number is 0808 801 0414. For university support, Nightline offers student support and information. Their number is 0131 557 4444. The university staff or student counselling services and the university listening service offer daytime and some evening support and we can both be found on the university website.